Welcome to the Butts and Seeds Podcast, episode number 35. 35, feeling alive. The June 7th, 1999 Monday Nitro. It's the go-home for Great American Bash, and it's also a very famous episode of Nitro, which is basically going to be the title of this, but we'll talk about it a bit later. Did you know going into this episode that it was like a famous piece? Kinda. I, th- I th- knew it was around this time, but I didn't know it was this one until we got to it, but... I guess considering it's a title, this is the White Hummer episode of Nitro. Which I knew nothing about. The first of two White Hummer episodes. Oh, Jesus. But we'll get to that during the show. I'm Nick alongside Emily. Hello. Emily, how you doing? One year older. And I'm tired. I've had a long day. Technically, the last episode came out the day after your birthday, so... That's true, but it was recorded before my birthday, so this is the first time you're hearing me as a fully-fledged 27-year-old. You you have matured as a podcaster. Like a fine wine. Well, this show wasn't a terrible slog to get through, so uh, let's get into it. We are in Cleveland, Ohio tonight. I don't remember the name of the arena, because that one changes a bunch. I think it's now at the uh, Quicken Loans Arena. I know what our closing song should be. Is it Cleveland Rock? Hell yeah, it is. I I already downloaded the instrumental. (laughs) Thought I was being helpful. We start outside again, which seems to be a weird trend with Nitro lately. Just like random somebody arriving at the arena. It's Randy Savage, his pink furry coat, and Team Madness <laughs> arrive. No, I don't even think that it's just like a... It's a trend, but it's also just a wrestling trend in general. Like, this is how a lot of Raw episodes start, too. of Just like a random limo showing up with people or walking into an arena. I mean, WCW's been doing it a lot more than Raw does, but, you know. The thing with Raw is that at least it seems like, oh, they're just getting here now. Nitro's ones are, like, clearly earlier today they arrived. I mean, that's realistic. Randy also has a bucket of sewage with him, which I'm trying to tell what it actually was because certain people were selling that it was smelly. Other people weren't. I would assume that it's smelly. I just... The texture of it did not read as sewage. It read as, like, dog food. Yeah, I don't know. It, it looked different backstage versus when it came out. Mm. So we'll see them in a little bit. We start in the arena. Hack and Chastity make their entrance. Prince Iakea just already in the ring. And commentary starts losing its shit. Which commentary tonight is Tony Schiavone, Bobby Heenan, and Eric Bischoff is back. Who's looking like Granddaddy Bischoff. I think I've made that joke before, but like every time I say that, he just gets older. He just looks so old. So Hack comes out smoking a cigarette, and commentary's like, oh, oh, he he knows he can't do that. What, what is this? And then like the entire show grinds to a halt as it's starting. Because first J.J. Dillon comes down and tells him to put the cigarette out and Hack just blows it right in J.J.'s face. Yeah, J.J. Dillon and eventually Eric Bischoff comes to the ring too. They were playing good cop, bad cop. J.J. Dillon was absolutely being bad cop. And then when Eric Bischoff came down, he was definitely trying to be good cop. Like, I think it was J.J. Dillon was saying something along the lines of like, we've cut you a lot of slack in this business, but this is the line. Which Why is you? this the line? Yeah, both good questions, honestly. But Bischoff is like... Come on, just put it out. Like we can't do the show until until you put it out. Mm-hmm. Come on. So Hack just keeps smoking and then pushes Eric Bischoff. So security runs in. Bischoff's like, no, 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 no. It's fine. And then he just like hits himself. <laughs> yeah, he just like basically sucker punches Hack there. I know yeah. Hack pushed him first, but like it came off like a little cheap shot. Then security holds back Hack, and I'm like, this feels like a heel thing right now. 
Having no, I I don't I didn't get that. Having twenty security guys hold down your performer, who you know maybe maybe it's because Steve Austin's on the other channel, but like drinking beers as opposed to smoking cigarettes, but. You're telling no, me this isn't something Vince would do? It is something Vince would do, but I still don't think that, like, this This did not read to me as heel. This just read as, like, authority. And I don't think authority always equates to heel. Yeah, it was the don't worry about it sucker punch, and then when Hack goes to retaliate, security swarms him. It came off real, like, chicken shit heel-ish. I, I, I didn't get heel. So the bell then rings, like, as they're holding him, and Bishop's like, don't ring the bell. And then takes a cigarette and is like, now he can wrestle or something. It was so it was weird, like, the order they, of they events. They rang the bell as if it was going to be a DQ, which at first I thought the hack was trying to get out of doing this match, which is why he came down with a cigarette and was so like adamant on keeping the cigarette in his mouth. I thought it was his way of not having to wrestle. But then they rang the bell as if it was going to be a DQ. And then Bischoff was just like, now let him wrestle. As if it was his pun. I don't know. As if it was like a punishment, yeah. Um, where was this outcry when the giant was smoking? That's true. Didn't the whole fucking NWO smoke at some point? No, it was just it was just the giant. Where is that? Oh, you're right. I didn't think about that. So the match starts almost immediately. Chastity gets in the ring and sprays Prince Ike with the fire extinguisher, and then just yeah. sprays it everywhere. Can we talk about? Poor Prince Ikea during this whole thing. Like, I kind of felt bad for him. Just awkwardly standing around. Yeah, just awkwardly in the corner while, like, his opponent just gets, you know, told off by his boss. Yeah, if it had been anybody else, I would say, just have Hack come down. You don't need to have the person already in the ring. Yeah. Yeah, it, it did feel weird. It, it felt very strange. Yeah, I felt a little bad for Prince Ikea. Hack grabs a table and lays Prince Ikea across it and hits a swanton bomb onto him. But the table, like, doesn't break. <laughs> yeah, not only did he have to watch his opponent get berated by his boss, he had to go through a fucking table and not break it. Like, that hurts, right? <laughs> well, well, then Hack sets it up in the corner. He's like, okay, I'll throw you through it now, and then I'll go for the pin. And he just bounces off. I think Hack just learns better. He's like, all right, fuck it. We'll, I'll just... Just regular roll-up pin. I'll just pin you. And, yeah, that's the match. Yeah, here. after all that, Hack still wins. Hugh Morris and Brian Nobbs then come down and beat down Hack until Billy Kidman comes down to make the save. I'm like, why the hell is Billy Kidman here? Because he's feuding with Hugh Morris. Kinda. I'd say Kidman makes the save because he, you know, kind of fights off Morris and Nobbs is gone. And then they just come back and beat down Kidman. And I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, this whole thing didn't make any sense. Yeah, there's a lot of weird elements of this. I think we said that Hack's gone soon, so I don't know yeah. how much... Is this his last story? I don't know. Hmm. I think he's gone after the next pay-per-view. Yeah, I don't really get what they're doing with this. And I never got the impression that he was actually going to wrestle smoking the cigarette either. I thought he was just having it on the way down to the ring. You yeah, I mean? and the fact that everybody was kind of like putting up this big stink about it, I think made him want to keep the cigarette lit longer, you know? Yeah. We get the Nitro Girls kind of on the entrance ramp. Like, oh, it's a different mm -hmm. spot for you. I didn't really pay a lot of attention to the Nitro Girls in this episode. Unfortunately, I'm losing my interest in them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of the Nitro Girls, because I don't really have a great spot to talk about this otherwise. I went to verify that someone's theme is dubbed, and we'll get to him later in the show. But there's a lot of DJ Rand segments cut off the network. Really? Yeah. Or Peacock. You keep wanting to say the network. I know. They're nothing of note. I know, but still. The th weird thing is, the music he plays doesn't sound like it's, you know, popular late 90s music. Like, I don't even hear any lyrics to it, so I'm just like, why did you cut hmm. these segments? But there's nothing of note know. there. 
That's strange. Well, I mean, I guess it makes sense that he has cut segments because, like, it. I I thought he'd be a bigger character, I guess. Especially with that whole segment of, like, going to, what was it? Was it Turner Music? It wasn't Turner Music. Oh. Whatever that music studio was. Yeah, and it was, Eric it was some dumb name. That and Eric Bischoff being like, oh, we're going to bring Tommy music. Boy Records? Tommy it? Boy Records, exactly. That's right. Um, yeah, and Eric Bischoff being like, we're going to bring music to wrestling like it's never been brought before. And, like, we've gotten nothing except for the sad little DJ booth. But if there was actually some sort of, pro- like, story, pro- like, not even story, production with it, I guess that makes more sense. Well, considering they've been cutting the segments, I'm wondering if he was around long before that and we just weren't getting his segments. Well, then what was the point of the Tommy Boy Records thing? I don't know. I really don't know. They're about to sign a musical act, but I don't think there's any additional kind of thing with that. Because since the Tommy Boy Records story, we've gotten the uh, Kurt Henning and Conan feud about music and more, I guess, pans to the DJ booth. So there is like more music being incorporated in a bad storyline and just some sad little booth, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, I'm monitoring if we miss anything important that's been cut off Peacock for any sort of reason. And I do not feel the need to cover weekly. DJ ran. I get the best job in the world. Look at these two Nitro girls dancing next to me. Somebody scream. Somebody scream. I really want the somebody scream just to be one person one time. (laughs) So we get the Nitro opening, get a video package recap of last week's Nitro. We had our only appearance during that package of Tank Abbott tonight. Yeah, he's not here. They like really set him up to be a big part of the show. And then... And nothing. They didn't really mention him either. No. But yeah, no, he wasn't here. Didn't really matter, I guess. (laughs) After the package, we get a weird moment of Pyro going off on the four ring posts like, really, like, loud, like, screamy pyro, I want to say. like the Yeah, but there were no sparks or flames to it, so it was messed up in some way. And it then, was just smoke. Yeah, and then pyro goes off on the stage to no music, and I'm like, what is happening? Yeah, it was strange. I do wonder what happened. I think they just had, like, faulty pyro, and then whoever had the musical cue did not take a DJ Ram. I don't even know how much control he has. So I don't believe... I know, but if we're going to yeah. talk about musical things, DJ Ram. Ran. Whatever. Who cares? You made that mistake <laughs> last week, too. Ran? R-A-N? Yeah. Like, I ran so far away? He wouldn't play that song, but yeah. Why not? He's only into the, uh, you know, weird, obscure hip-hop kind of n- noise. Stuff that Kurt Hennig hates. I don't blame Kurt Hennig for hating this stuff. There obviously We're not is... even really hearing it. Yeah, well, based on my little bit of research, it's just like, oh, okay, this isn't this isn't a song. No. Like, you know, if, if he's going to start shitting on actual good hip-hop and rap, it's like, that's different. But I have no issue with him crapping on this. <laughs> Commentary chats, Randy Savage and Eric Bischoff apparently did not learn his lesson. Because he, he's like, oh yeah, by the way, on the other show, the guy in the hood, the initials are VM. Yeah, and you had to explain this one to me. And you're like, oh yeah, this is Eric Bischoff spoiling Raw again. Yep. Man Under the Hood is a reference to the higher power, or occasionally known as the Hower power. The Hower power? Yeah, they would just missay it sometimes. And, yeah, it, it's me, Austin. It's Vince McMahon. It's me, Austin. Apparently, Eric Bischoff didn't actually know for sure because Raw was live and airing later. It was just a very oh. good guess. I mean, I don't know who else it would have been. 
There were probably rumblings that it was, you know, going to be him and he got kind of worried. I thought this was like a case of the same, like, butts in the seats sort of thing. I don't know if Raw is doing the taping every other week thing, but they were live this week, so. That's interesting. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know who else it would have been. They, they, There were like 10 rumored names and but all of them in hindsight. Yeah. Imagine if Eric Bischoff spoiled it, but spoiled it wrong. Yeah, but he was so like, oh, I can't say his name, but it's this. And it was just so quick that I don't think anyone would really like remember. It was just a very weird, like, I'm better than you vibe. It's like, oh, you know, the competition. Yeah, Eric Bischoff is insufferable on commentary to me during during tonight. Commentary is already bad, so I already tuned them out. But Eric, you hated Eric Bischoff when he was laughing later on. <sighs> we'll, we'll, we'll get to him, but... He also is like, oh, we're so excited that, like, we, you know, we might be signing Master P and we have re-signed Dennis Rodman. Woo! And I'm like, guys, no. No one cares. Read the room. No one cares. Oh, we'll we'll do it in the middle of this show because I keep forgetting to do it at the start or the end. Uh, The ratings for this week. Last week was a 3-3. What do you think this week was? I'm going to guess this goes up. I'm going to say this is a 3-5. This is a 3-2. So holding pretty, you know, not a little bit. Pretty steady. Compared to Raw's 6.7. Damn. Yeah, so literally double the audience. And the fact that the Eric Bischoff thinks that he is doing something by spoiling it. Like, no one's watching your show, man. There are 9 million viewers on wrestling television right now, and only, you only get three more, of them. because that's... The ratings are so weird where it's not equivalent to millions of people, so it might actually be more than that many. I guess it's what, millions of, like, televisions? It's a, based on, a, like, a ratio and a percentage kind of thing. It's not 3.2 million people. It's a different kind of thing than that. However, even, even with this math, it's a, you know, if you did that, it's almost 10. So over 10 million people are watching wrestling at this point. And what, a third of them are watch, are like watching yeah. you? Yeah, this isn't even including the ECW. Oh, God, true. Yeah, no, one, no one's watching you. It's okay. And no one's tuning in no for Dennis cares. Rodman. No. Who was recently released by the LA Lakers. I don't think he <laughs> goes to play any more basketball. I could be wrong. I think this is right around the end of his career. And his last time showing up on... WCW television, he no-showed one of the Nitros. Oh, good. I'm and sure he won't do that again. <laughs> I'm sure he won't be paid exorbitant amounts of money to do exactly that. Definitely not. He well, wouldn't do that. Next up, we have two guys who are not being paid exorbitant amounts of money, I'd be willing to bet. We have Lenny Lane versus Scotty Riggs. Tell me I'm wrong, but tell me this isn't a Chris Jericho versus Val Venus match. I think you're giving both of these men too much credit. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Lenny Lane does look similar to Chris Jericho, but you're like, he's trying to be... No, he's not he trying. He looks like he's trying to be Chris Jericho. He just looks like him. He looks like he's trying to look like Chris Jericho. You need a character to try to be Chris Jericho. He looks like he's trying to look like Chris Jericho. He's wearing completely different tights. Same vibe, though. He has the same hairstyle. Same vibe. He could have <laughs> cut his hair. And Scotty Riggs is still doing his narcissist... Uh, it's really more a mix of Rick Rude and Rick Martell, but... I don't know either of those characters well enough. So that's yeah, we said Venus. that last time too. Yeah, I went with Val Venus. Much like this gimmick, we, we are hitting the same notes. Yeah. I forget if he had the mirror last time too, because that's he straight did. out of, I want to say Rick Martel. Oh. He did. He had the. I don't think he handed it to the ref the way that he did this time, but yeah, he definitely had the mirror. 
Well, as much as we're not into this gimmick, you know who else isn't into this gimmick? Commentary? Eric Bischoff, specifically. He's like, not very original. I'm like, aren't you fucking oh, running the show? Yeah. Oh, I missed that. I'm like, you're running the show. You can change this. Yeah, didn't you book these guys? So apparently Kevin Nash is still kind of head booker. He's kind of only booking the shit he cares about. And then yeah, he has that a couple, about I think it's right. uh, Kevin Sullivan and Dusty Rhodes are kind of booking the undercard. Yeah, because you know what Kevin Nash cares about? Himself. Yeah. Making money. Yeah. He doesn't give a shit about Lenny Lane and Scotty Riggs. Well, I don't blame him for that. <laughs> I don't necessarily blame him either, but if you're going to have these guys in your car, at least give them a fair shot. You know who else doesn't care about Lenny Lane? Anybody. The crowd. Yeah. Nobody gave a shit about this match. Lodi comes out for some reason. We With haven't that, seen him. That in... fucking facial hair, though. Yeah. Can we talk about those sideburns? Let me ask you something. As a man with facial hair, how annoying is it to get hair in, like, the corners of your mouth when you're, like, eating or talking or whatever? It's annoying. That man only had hair going to the corners of his mouth. It's that like, was the it's only like an arrow place. pointing to his mouth. If you're going to get, like, because when, when your mustache grows out, I know you say, like, it gets annoying when it wraps around your lip or it gets into food or something. This guy only has the corners of his mouth, and it is, like, right up to the corner of his mouth with the hair on both sides. I'm like, how fucking annoying is that? Yeah, I, I don't <laughs> feel the need to give Lodi the time. I don't know. I hate I want to give his sideburns the time. If I had facial hair, I would be irritated to hell with it. He does get Lodi sucks chance. Just coming out, not doing anything. He does nothing. He just disappears from this, too. They're not wrong, though. Yeah, he just comes out and looks and then disappears. Like, there's no even, like, oh, Lodi's walking away. Like, he just kind of is there and then he's not. Yeah, we get an airplane spin from Lenny Lane, which leads to a, like, dizzy accidental headbutt to the groin spot. Now, as far as this match went, I didn't hate it. I, the match itself. I just didn't care. That's a different problem. Like, the wrestling itself wasn't bad. It was kind of impressive and kind of entertaining. It went long. It did go long. But it was the fact that it was two people that we don't know and we don't necessarily care about, I think, like, hurt it. It wasn't bad wrestling. Lodi encourages Lenny Lane and we get Aloha Riggs. And, like, for a split second, Riggs' ass comes out. Yeah. <laughs> he does adjust his pants and somewhere Trish Stratus is just screaming at him. Oh, God. I'm just... I'm back to Eric Bischoff. <laughs> you don't want to give Scotty or Lodi's face the time of day? Why are you giving Eric Bischoff this much time? Well, Eric Bischoff's like, someone should tell Lenny Lane a guy with red hair shouldn't wear yellow trunks. He's a blonde! Lenny Lane is so blonde. <laughs> like, it's not even strawberry blonde. It is not even a questionable blonde. It is blonde. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, what, what match? Are you watching a different match on your monitor? Maybe. Are you just, like, scrolling through Twitter on your phone? No. Oh, yeah, this guy. If it wasn't 99, I probably wouldn't put it past him. I'm literally looking up Letty Lane, making sure at, like, no point he ever had red hair. Maybe it's just, like, maybe the color was off on their monitors. Yeah. And he just couldn't see that he was blonde because he didn't feel like looking up at the ring. We get an interesting wheelbarrow face buster from Lenny Lane. And then Scotty Riggs gets the win with a... I guess it's technically more of a rocker dropper than a famouser, but... It's like, oh, you know how you're ripping off a bunch of guys who are in, into themselves? Fuck it. Let's just throw Billy Gunn in there. <laughs> Honestly, overall, I liked the match. I liked the match. Didn't care about the people. Didn't care about... I didn't listen to commentary. The match itself was not bad. It was good paced. It was good energy. It was good wrestling. 
Yeah, I, I couldn't see past the not caring. Fair. I gave it, I would give it like a seven. Out of ten? Yeah, I thought it was really. I thought it was Jesus. really good. Maybe like a low seven, but <laughs> low seven and a high seven are, are technically still a seven. Yeah, but it's different. We go backstage next to Ric Flair and Chris Benoit talking. I'd say Chris Benoit wasn't here last week, but the entirety of this promo, they talk about stuff happening last week that happened two weeks ago. Which makes me wonder, did they... Well, they can't have. I was thinking that they might have filmed these back-to-back, but with the Bischoff thing, yeah. they can't have. Damn. I thought I, I thought I was onto something. They're not the only people to do the last week thing, too, which doesn't that, help. Yeah, and that's why I was like, oh, they must have filmed these back-to-back and not realize that they were getting all the timing wrong. But I guess not. I guess they're just stupid. So Flair wants to regain Benoit's trust and offers him the torch that I kind of talked about last week. This is a metaphorical torch. This isn't like Vince McMahon's golden egg kind of thing. (laughs) Oh my god, that fucking golden egg storyline. That was so stupid. Flair then relates his current situation with Benoit to, yeah, you know, a couple years ago, me and Arn, you know, basically feuded. And we had to work this out. Yeah, he does leave out the part where the payoff to that story is him and Arn joining back up to blindside Sting. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, where to the point where it's like, was the whole feud a ruse? Because it just seems like this was all designed to just get Sting again. I mean, maybe. You could probably do a top ten list of times the horseman swerved Sting. So Flair says he just wants to take a chance to prove himself to Benoit, which prompts Perry Saturn to come in. And he's like, okay, you know, Canyon's healthy. We won our tag title rematch. And Flair's like, oh, that's a, that's a shame because uh, me and Benoit are going to challenge the tag team titles tonight. Which is so shitty. And then Perry, understandably, gets mad at Ric Flair. And he, like, looks at Chris Benoit and is like, look, no offense to you. Like, I respect the hell out of you, but fuck this guy. Yeah. And Flair's like, you don't respect me. But No. <laughs> he doesn't say fuck this guy, but, you know. Yeah. He may as well. So Perry shows a little fire, and he's like, look, I don't care who the champions are. Like, I you know, I want my rematch. Yeah, which, yeah, he should. I did find it interesting. He's like, me and Canyon want the rematch, not me and Raven. Oh, yeah, there was no Raven in this episode either. No. I'm, like, going through my head about, like, all the people that apparently had the week off. We didn't see Booker. We didn't see Goldberg. We didn't see Raven. Still no Scott Hall. Which, oh, it's sad that I'm starting to kind of miss him because I'm getting so oversaturated with Kevin Nash. You, you need to balance out your yeah, hate. Yeah, I really do. So Flair is all hyped up for the match later, and I was a bit suspicious. And maybe it was because he referenced the Arn feud, where I'm like, that was all leading up to a swerve. Is this going to lead up to a swerve? See, I was under the impression that Benoit was going to swerve on... Like, my, my prediction... My prediction in this conversation was Benoit is either going to walk off or turn on Flair in their match. That's my prediction. I just realized, no Dean Malenko this week. Yeah, add him to the list. Everyone had the week off. Well, I think this man had to uh, make up for it because next up we have Randy Savage and Team Madness. They are all over this show tonight. They really are. Spoiler, not my uh, MVP. So we touched on the coat earlier. It was a like very bright pink kind of like furry like shag carpet coat. Over, like, a black unitard with, like, long pants. Yeah, over the, the, the new kind of Randy Savage garb. Yeah. But I have to ask, and it's been a little while. Who's that Pokemon? All right, Emily, who you got? Because you're, you're not going to know mine. 
I barely know mine. Okay. I've broken my own rule of I can I will only accept Pokemon that I recognize from like the original 150 or whatever. But that just doesn't exist in pink because you know my original. So my original thought was for some reason in my head I thought there was an episode of the original Pokemon show where Jigglypuff like goes off and um, is defiant, has like sunglasses. I have a vision in my head of Jigglypuff with sunglasses on. I'm like, oh, that's that's Randy Savage. But no, so I actually went and Googled. Are you, are you merging Jigglypuff and the Squirtle Squad? I think I am in my head. So the Pokemon that I chose is Beware. Okay. You, you, you can kind of see it, right? Like the top half, he's a bear. And the top half of him is like a bright pink and the bottom is black. Okay. So in look, like that was the best for me. But I imagine that you have a better one. So, yeah, you're not going to know mine. I really focused on the jacket. Okay. I originally was going for the evolved form of this Pokemon and then opted to go for just the pre-evolved one because it actually does match a little bit better. My pick is called Spritzy. Yeah? You're telling me that doesn't look, that and the jacket don't look dissimilar? I thought we were who's that Pokemoning Randy Savage, not who's that Pokemon <laughs> the jacket. It might as well just... That jacket's very large. Okay. I, I mean, disagree, but all right. You with the jacket? I, it's hard to say because, like, I was going for the entire ensemble. And you've given me crap for not going with the entire ensemble before. So I don't know. So Savage calls out Nash. He's like, I've been looking for you. I checked every crevice and every cleavage. Which it's I like, think is just his way of saying that he looked at a lot of women's boobs. I don't really know. It, it, <laughs> It didn't really seem to match the tone of the rest of the promo, so I'm just like... When I was thinking about the logistics of that line, I just wanted to, like, you know, it just I just had this vision of him, like, going into the women's locker room and someone being like, oh, did you did you check wherever? He's like, yeah, I checked in between those. Yeah, I think it's more him rambling and saying the wrong words than him trying to be perverted. What do you think he was trying to say? I don't know. I think he just has boobs on the brain, which, like, who doesn't? I mean... Have you seen some of the outfits that Team Madness wears? Like, yeah, it's easy he's to got boobs on the brain. Yeah, it's easy to, to, to you know be focused. But like, who doesn't have? Was it this brain? promo where Medusa sat up on the top rope in like her skirt, and you're like, oh, I, honey? I don't. Rem- it might have been this one because it came up later that it's well, it didn't come up, but it was shown later that Medusa's outfit was actually not a skirt. It's it was like a shorts like a romper kind of thing okay so she wasn't just giving the world her crotch well she she crossed her legs as well she did but still like a lady like a lady savage has the the sewage and everyone has to pretend ew but they're inconsistent about it being smelly they panned to one guy in the audience that's just like looking for his shining moment on television and the camera catches him and he just sells like it's the stinkiest thing he's ever heard like Whoa. Ever heard? He's the, <laughs> it's the stinkiest thing he's ever smelled. Ew, pee, ew, gross. And he's like doing the like hand wave in front of your nose and everything. Like, ew, it smells. Like, who are you? Commentary also has a really <laughs> hard time on what to call it. Because like they want to call it shit, but they're like, oh, we don't, we don't know what else to say. There's clearly no other options. And then sewage. And they finally land on sewage. It's like, it's, oh, okay, it's sewage. Louis Septic Services. Savage also says that the sewage is a week old that is from the Astrodome. Maybe that's why it's chunky. It's not actual sewage. But also think about the logistics of what you just said. I know. How he would have had to have drive. He would have have had to have driven around the country. 
with just a five gallon bucket of sewage. Where yeah. did it? Where did he keep it? Oh, imagine the cars. The <laughs> exactly. Nasty. If that's actually a bucket of shit, nasty. Randy then says that Nash doesn't have the balls to be here tonight. Then just kind of rambles and calls out everybody, including commentary, which prompts Sting to come out, appears on the stage, and for lack of a better description, seems to do a Jim Carrey in the mask impression. You know you're not far off. Because who the fuck was this man? It's showtime. He keeps saying that. He's so lively. He is so amped up and like excitable. And he's so loud and talkative. I'm like, this is not Sting. Who is this? He also hits the, because I'm back and because I'm back in black. Dude, you've been here for two months. You were on (laughs) last week's Nitro. You've been back, dude. Like, you were here. Like, Lily, you didn't miss a single. All right. Somehow everyone thinks, you know, two weeks ago was last week. Sting thinks last week was like six months ago. (laughs) Maybe. I'm back. I'm back. He calls Savage pretty in pink, which gets like a weirdly over-the-top response. Yeah, he took that very personally. Savage agrees to the match and calls it a tune-up match. Sting then hits his show timeline again, and then randomly is like macho madness is on viagra and savage just loses his mind what the fuck like oh okay sting what what coke did you snort backstage because what the fuck is this also aren't you mad at rick steiner i can't keep track that's our that's our main event for the night and literally thinks every show goes oh we have a main event it's like again aren't you did you book the show or weren't you at least part of flair is still the president I feel like some stuff has to get put by Eric Bischoff before it's signed off on. Well, he's just a high-powered executive in, in, in kayfabe. I'm like, Ugh. so lost in that is, like, oh, I guess Nash isn't here tonight, but, you know, Savage kind of called him out. So, you know, I guess, you know, later in the night we'll get Nash here. We then get the Nitro Girls. Tony throws to a cliff in the sewage angle from last week. And then, oh, wait, Kevin Nash is here now. Would you believe that Kevin Nash was here the whole time? If Randy Savage literally just waded through the commercial, Kevin Nash would have came out. Something tells me Kevin Nash was behind the curtain. Like, when Kevin, when Randy Savage went backstage. He was there. Like, hey, oh, hey, man. See you in five. <laughs> so Kevin Nash is here with his gym bag, which he's very careful with. He is. And he, like, so he comes down to the ring. He grabs a chair, but not a folding chair, like a nice chair that like the, um, I guess, I don't know. somebody's Like a venue. Like a venue chair. Yeah. Yeah. Puts it in the middle of the ring. And I think he's going to sit down on it and cut like a, you know, smarmy promo. He very gingerly puts his bag on the chair. Which I still don't get why. Even knowing the payoff of what the bag is there for, I don't get why. Maybe it looked better. So... Yeah, and, like, they do really linger on the bag. They draw too much attention to the bag. Yeah, looking back, it should have been obvious what happened. If he just taken the bag with him and, like, put it in the corner, because this whole thing is like, oh, I was running a little late, I just got here, my gear's in my bag. So, we do need to bring our attention to one thing before we go into Kevin Nash's promo in the ring. This is the first time I am noticing how obvious the Monday Night Wars are because of the audience. I saw so many signs that were like the Brahma Bull, people wearing the rock shirts, 316 signs. There was a guy right before Kevin Nash started talking, chanting HBK. 
really loud. Like he found yeah, a mic. Yeah, there was one guy who just wouldn't shut the fuck up. He's like Shawn Michaels, HBK, HBK. I didn't hear the chant. It was I just heard him just yelling like a jackass. Like once he realized that HBK wasn't going over, he started yelling Shawn Michaels just to really hammer it in. But I couldn't hear the first bit of Kevin Nash's promo. Oh, well, there wasn't much to hear. I mean, no, but yeah, I mean, you also noticed that in we watched the '98 Rumble for Emily's birthday. And you're like, oh my god, people wearing NWO shirts. Like, yeah, people just like, they own one wrestling shirt. Oh, I'm going to the wrestling show. I don't know. It's just it's that time of of you know wrestling history that's like there were very divided audience, and they wanted it to like they wanted to feel like it was a war. So to me, wearing an NWO shirt to a WWF event that's a message. That's a statement. Yeah, the, you could have just not worn a wrestling shirt. Well, but then again, there's people even in modern day who will go to like an Orioles Blue Jays game and wear a Yankee shirt because it's all they have. So, not everybody thinks it through like that. I don't know. I think this was pretty thought through because they're like, why would you show up with a Austin three sixteen sign? No, to, yeah, the, to WCW. The signs are a different story. Yeah, and I I saw a lot of those kinds of signs too. Bought tickets to the wrong show. <laughs> I did think that at one point. Um, there was a WCW sign that said, WCW, we can't wrestle. <laughs> like, little shit like that seeps through. And I'm like, this is really to the showing show. something. Exactly. That's why I'm confused. It's not a short show. No, it's a slog to get through 90% of the time. This is a good show. But, like, 90% of the time, you're not getting a good product. You don't get, like, season passes to WCW. The only case I can make is maybe they're just giving away so many tickets that maybe, people... Yeah. Maybe you're just not paying anything. Yeah. So Nash calls out Savage, and Savage comes out with Team Madness and repeatedly says that Nash isn't on his level. Nash then draws more attention to the bag. He's like, how is it I brought one bag down and you brought three? <laughs> So Nash bails from the ring, leaving his bag there. And, and he bails quickly, so which made, made me think, oh, this bag's going to explode. He puts <laughs> something in this bag and it's going to be like a confetti cannon or a shit cannon or something. Because he ran off a little too quickly. But anyway. So Nash tells Savage to drop the sewage if he wants to fight him. Savage eventually agrees and Nash just has to kill time. And he's like, you know what? I want you to like get on your knees and beg for me to come fight you. And Savage, like, half does? It's kind of weird. Yeah, and I wasn't following this because as he was getting on his knees and this whole, like, back and forth was happening, the bag starts to wiggle. And then it wiggles. And hey. then it wiggles some Wiggling. more. And um, it takes a while. Because <laughs> eventually, a very skinny woman, very small, <laughs> very skinny woman... Just emerges out of the bag, like, oh, okay. This contortionist woman just appears. <laughs> and she takes the sewage and dumps it on Randy Savage. I thought this was such a good segment. Who doesn't really sell it all that much. He doesn't react. It's, you just got your own sewage poured on you that you were going to metaphorically pour on whoever wants to come down to the ring and fight you. But he just got poured on you, and you're not going to react. He barely reacted. Yeah, like, he, I think he remembers to a minute later, but it's like... Yeah, just a little, like, a touch too late. I'll tell you who does react. It's fucking Eric Bischoff. Oh, yeah. Eric Bischoff doing an impression of one of the weasels in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, almost laughing himself to death, it sounds like, <laughs> at the commentary booth. Like, Jesus, dude, he it was, wasn't that funny. He was doing the definition of hooting and hollering. 
<laughs> it didn't help that Tony and Bobby weren't. No, like there have been moments on this podcast where you find something so funny and you start losing your mind laughing, and I'm just sitting here like, yeah, I guess that. I think was we funny. had one of those moments later. Literally, like no, I think we had one last week for sure. It's just awkward for everybody else. Like, yeah, that was funny, but Eric, you're going a little far. Yeah, because... We get it, man. It was funny. It's poop. LOL. Yeah, like, they finally, like, cut back to commentary, and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, dude, relax. Take a deep breath, man. You're going to die. So, commentary then has to kill time as the ring crew tries to clean up the mat. Ugh. I don't know why they didn't have a spare one just to, like, swap them. Like a mat them. cover or something. Because they just, nasty. like, push it around and it just, like, smears into the mat. The mat looks the mat. gross the rest of the night. It's so gross. So commentary, you know, continues to stall. And Eric Bischoff notes, like, our main event tonight might not happen because Nash and Savage are backstage and they might just fight and there won't be a main event of the show. So I guess you don't need to keep watching because we might have a main event. It's like, what? don't fucking... Okay, well, if Raw's on, let's go see what's going on over there. Yeah, don't be like, oh, hey, you know the match you were excited for? It might not happen. But also, again, I don't blame the wrestlers. I blame fucking production. If we're going with kayfabe here, if you, you can't keep these two apart until they can wrestle, that's production's fault. Where's the producer? Keep these men in separate locked rooms so that we can have our goddamn main event. Oh, one final note on this I wanted to talk about before we move on when nash came out he did the in the house thing but he did big sexes now he did not say wolfpack he's still You're coming right. out to the wolfpack theme but but he did not acknowledge the wolfpack this time he turned his back <gasps> no i have the shirt now what am i gonna do with it i have okay can we talk about how many wrestling shirts i own now though Sure. Nick got me wrestling shirts for my birthday i got you six but technically seven because because they gave the, us the one shop twice. screwed up so before my birthday, I had two, which were hand-me-downs from you, basically. I had the Jericho Hall shirt and a CM Punk shirt, like a classic CM Punk shirt. And now I own the Wolfpack, Austin 316, which I'm wearing now. Because like this is the shirt that I'm like, oh, if you don't own this, you're not a wrestling fan. I don't own that I'm, shirt. I'm aware. I own ECW. I own a Heat Wave shirt. Which I is, like, now funky. own ECW. Oh, my God. Am I Paul Heyman? No, you're Stephanie McMahon. Oh, hell yeah. I'm the creator of women. Hell yeah. But it's during the invasion, so. Um, yeah, so I own Heatwave, I own ECW, and um, I'm missing one. SummerSlam. Oh, and McFoley. I got a um, Cactus Jack shirt. That was my favorite. Bang, bang. I love McFoley. He's my favorite. But yeah, I have so many wrestling shirts now. So the mat is still being cleaned up, but I guess we're just going to move on because DDP's music hits. And it's like, oh, it's time for the tag team match. Yeah, I feel bad for DDP and Bam Bam Bigelow for being the first ones to have to come out after all the sewage. I like, mean, it was an mat, actual sewage. I know, but if you're going to be the first ones out, you know that Matt stinks. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's not like Chris Benoit and Ric Flair are that much better off. Oh, it is Ric Flair. That That's weirder that Ric Flair has to wrestle in the sewage remnants. We get a funny moment during DDP's entrance of... It's the dubbed music, but they have the pyro go off, and they don't bother even trying to do foley for the pyro. Yeah, so it's I, just silent. I can extend my disbelief for the um, the dubbing when you can kind of like you can pretend that it's happening because you can hear the pyro, you can hear commentary. Like it sounds like it could yeah, actually the crowd, be real. Yeah. The crowd noise, but this one you can see the fireworks going off, and there's no sound. You're like yeah. oh, Ugh, weird. <laughs> 
So after them, Flair, Benoit, and Arn Anderson come out. They come out to Ric Flair's theme, which I thought, if intentional, was a nice bit of storytelling. They don't come out to the Horseman theme. They come out You're to right. Rick's theme because Rick's still all about himself. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Wrote the mat is gross. I did too. I said ring is gross. Early on, Chris Benoit dives to the outside on Bam Bam Bigelow, and he is just basically beating both guys on his own in the first half of this match. He really is. Benoit hits a diving headbutt in the champion's corner, and like Bam Bam Bigelow is like kind of on the apron, like hunched over a little bit. I really thought it's like, oh, you did it from his corner. He's gonna like you know push you off the mm-hmm. top rope. No, just hit the move. Benoit locks in the crossface, but DDP gets to the ropes. Benoit then signals for another diving headbutt, but Ric Flair wants the tag. Flair tries for the figure four twice, but then manages to get it in on the third try. Benoit tries to break up the hold with a falling headbutt, but Flair just kind of moves. And then and that's his first falling headbutt that he misses. That's the first of like four. I don't even think that's an exaggeration. After that, Flair and Benoit hit simultaneous chops on both other men. Like, Which in, was really yeah. cool. It's like, oh, like it wasn't like an alternate thing. It was literally like in sync. Yeah. I'm like, oh, cool. This match had a lot of tag action, which I really liked. It was a lot of like me, then you, then me, then you. I'm like in and out, in and out. To me, this is what a tag match should be. I would say there's also the new age outlaw strategy of one guy wrestles 90% of the match and then makes the hot tag the other one, which is what Ray and Conan did the other week. Yes, exactly. And that's what WWF does a lot, especially in like 2020, 2021. So Benoit then tags in and gets worked over for a while from the champions trying to set up that hot tag. Flair just comes in the ring at one point and gets low blowed right in front of the ref. I'm like, DQ? There was a worse DQ later on. Like <laughs> This one I didn't really question all that much. Flair then attacks Bam Bam Bigelow on the outside and the ref like chases after him. Yeah, Why? <laughs> We get a spinning powerbomb from DDP. Only garners a two. Then DDP gets Benoit in like a front headlock. And the crowd didn't really buy into the spot. I liked it of Benoit like picking up DDP and like slowly moving him across the ring to get closer to Flair. And only being able to get like a couple steps at a time. Like it was a nice spot, but I don't think the crowd picked up on it. I didn't even really pick up on it all that much. Yeah, they, just like they start in one corner, and it's like, I think because it took so long, they just did not get it. But oh, like maybe. He, they only, he only managed to like kind of get any steps in when picking up DDP. Oh, okay. Bam Bam Bigelow then tags in and goes for a diving headbutt, but misses, and Benoit crawls for the hot tag. He just keeps missing those diving headbutts. It's concerning. He goes to reach over to Flair, but Flair just slowly backs away. And it, they have this gr- was a good spot. They have a great camera shot of it too, because like they don't, see, you don't really see Flair actually walk out. You just see the hand like slowly exit frame. It was it was a very good spot, very well done swerve. So yeah, Flair turns his back on Chris Benoit, and in kayfabe, Arn Anderson did not know this was the plan because Arn is pissed. No, because I'd like to believe that Arn Anderson still believes in the in the Horseman. He wants the Horseman to stay alive. Yeah. And so when Ric Flair walks off, Arn again in kayfabe in my head, Arn gets really upset and he's like, "No, this is the Horseman. We can't let the Horseman fall apart like this. I'll be with Chris. I'm gonna stay with Chris. He's my guy. We're Horsemen. This is what Horsemen do. We stick together." And Arn pops that shirt off, and he, he is does. fired he's like, up. I'm ready. I'm coming in. I'm gonna do it. He's like shaking the ring, like, um, yeah. like kind of very old school. Like Hogan does that. Ultimate Warrior. Ultimate, he, Ultimate yeah. Warrior. Yes. 
Very like, old school. He gets on the apron. He wants that fucking hot tag. And the crowd. Oh, my God. This was such a wonderful moment of, like, Arn Anderson character for me. Because I don't know him as a wrestler. Yeah. I've never really seen him as a wrestler. Except for in, like, Battle Royals or something that we might have watched. Like, maybe a Rumble. Yeah, the only unfortunate part of this is commentaries. Like, they're not matching the energy. It's like, no. someone needs to get him down. He's he's not allowed. He's not, he's like, you know, he's not allowed. He's not competitive. Like, they don't even really say why. Like, it's the fact that he's retired and, you know, like, he literally has taken out, like, the insurance policy kind of thing. He's an old man. It's like, we talked about it before. It's like the Lloyds of London insurance thing where he can't wrestle a match, like, legally without having to give back a bunch of money. Oh, okay. But... Yeah, they just, like, don't match the energy of the moment, and it kind of kills it a little bit. It does. So instead of Arn, we then get Perry Saturn running down, and he gets on the apron. And there's kind of the moment between them, like, Perry's like, no, 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 I like, I got this. And Arn's like, okay. But why? But, yeah. like, like, are you sure? What? You? I, think, I think Perry was, like, in again, in kayfabe, trying to be like, no, I'm the wrestler. I can tag in. Like, you're not a wrestler. I got this. I'm in ring shape. Yeah. But it's also kind of like giving Chris Mawal the option to fully leave the horseman and go with somebody else. No, I'm the real partner. No, I'm the real partner. He has to choose. <laughs> Which do I choose? The horsemen or the radicals? Be super rad if you picked one of them. So Benoit crawls over and, yeah, opts to make the tag to Perry Saturn. And thus the radicals are born. Well, not quite. The radicals are a completely WWE thing. Or three out of four. No, we're not. Or three out of four. We just got to get Eddie in here somehow. To be fair, I, I, I guess Dean wasn't here this week, so I don't know where Dean stands on all this. Yeah. Saturn gets in the ring and fucking cleans house, mm. including hitting the Death Valley driver and just gets the pin. Yes, he pins DDP. New champions, Chris Benoit and Perry Saturn? Yeah, they give it to those two. That's not how that should work. I mean, it's not, but it, it is how it happened. <laughs> It'd be a little different if Ric Flair had never tagged into this match, but Rick was an active participant in this match. Yeah, realistically, all Perry did was come in at the, the final hour and just take that one last hit in the pin. Yeah, like, this was potentially, if you want to look at it a certain way, a four-on-two handicap match. Four-on-two? Arn just never tagged in. He got on the apron and wanted the tag. If Arn had gotten tagged in, it seemingly would have counted. Yeah, but it still would have been the Horseman. It's vague. It's Yeah, but we don't need to worry about it because now it's somebody else. I'm kind of wondering if this will get overturned or what. Because even might. commentary is like... I can see Ric Flair being, you know, Ric Flair and be like, my partner still won. I won. I'm the champion. Yeah, that'd be interesting. The issue is I think that sets up a Ric Flair-Perry Saturn feud that I don't think... Uh, you don't think Perry Saturn's worthy of? I don't think that's going to work, brother. This is, uh, I guess let's talk about the match first before we get to the post-match. I really liked this match. Yeah, this was a very good match. This was, like I said, what a tag match should be. And the energy at the end, in the moment, really did make me forget the logic holes in Perry Saturn being the new champion. I was like, yeah. like okay, we'll see. But I really enjoyed that. So Yeah, definitely. So post-match, Canyon then comes out to celebrate with the new champions and goes to hug Perry Saturn and then lays him out. Yeah, this was like a weird swerve to me. See. I didn't quite understand why this swerve was happening. I knew it was coming because I knew the, the Jersey triad forms. Oh, I forgot. that you, you said there was a third Jersey boy. Yep. It's I Canyon. I Canyon is a Jersey boy. And commentary actually speculates that like, oh, 
that's why Canyon got beat so easy last week. It wasn't, you know, he actually got knocked out. He basically laid down. He faked it. Yeah. yeah. Like, I bet he never even went to the hospital because we didn't see him get beat down. We just saw. We just saw him laid out and then we saw him with the medical bracelet at the end of the night. Yeah. Which could easily have been fake. But yeah, there's a nice bit of storytelling. It's like, yeah, yeah, you didn't see him get beat down. You just saw them standing over him. Yeah. So we do get a really scary moment of DDP and Bam Bam Bigelow trying to hit an assisted diamond cutter on Saturn. Where the way you do it is Bam Bam basically does the big ending and, you know, Diamond Dallas Page hits a diamond cutter. Mm-hmm. Instead, somehow ends in Perry Saturn taking a back bump. Yeah. <laughs> Which looked to be almost going for his neck at first. And I, I don't know whether he's got more rotation or DDP kind of... Gave him a little little more momentum to kind of get him over, but I was like, oh, that looked scary. strange. Yeah, it didn't look good. At the very least, it did not look clean. It did not look purposeful. It was kind of a strange moment of he turned after they lost the belts. But they still walked out with the belts. Did you notice that? They still took the belts. Oh, right. Yeah, because I think that also added to my, like, are they? Who's the champion? Yeah, because now now your prediction of, like, oh, it's totally going to be overturned, I think is even more feasible because like yeah ddp and bam bam bigelow still are in possession of the belts whether or not they earned them or not so i think they were gonna follow up on this on thunder but they screwed up rick flair's plane ticket so it's gonna get resolved on the pay-per-view god i hope that's true i swear i read something similar to that it's either this thunder or next thunder i think that's so funny before we go to commercial eric bischoff notes that he's going backstage and that's it for him on commentary tonight thank god we get a Randy Savage, Kevin Nash, Great American Bash ad with a large card subject to change on the bottom of it. Which, yeah, was also interesting. I don't know that I've ever seen that, but I also haven't been looking for it. Yeah. Does that just mean, like, they don't know who's going to leave? Well, I mean, it's, you know, anything can kind of happen in between now and then. Well, especially with fucking Kevin Nash. Like, there was one day where he was supposed to job to the Giant, and all of a sudden, oh, I might have had a heart attack, so I can't. Oh. I had a scary moment, so I can't. Sorry. Interesting. I can't roll my eyes hard enough at Kevin Nash. That is a common thing, having that. It just seemed very obvious on this one. I don't really know why. Let's move on to our next match. Match that you were obsessed with. I expected nothing going in. So, it is a... They said the name like six times. and It's a, it's it's a, a Mexican hardcore match. Mexican hardcore tag team match. They didn't even ever say tag team. It's just a Mexican hardcore match. Well, it was two teams. It is a tag team yeah. match, but they never call it a tag team match. So it is La Parca and Silver King versus Damien and Cyclope. Which, if you say all four of those names, you just assume that this is a nothing match. This like, is a pee break like, like, match. I swear, we've like basically seen this match get set up, and it was for Kevin Nash to come down and do the fucking Master Blaster yeah. shit. Yeah, I think so. And for those at home, Cyclope... Is the guy that we thought looked like a jack-o'-lantern last... When we did the the Mexican Battle Royal? It was just a Cruiserweight Battle Royal. Was it a Cruiserweight? Because it, it was a whole lot of, like, luchadors. Yeah, so. it was the it was a shot at the Cruiserweight title. Which also didn't have an ending. Right. Which, helped, you know, right. aided me going, I don't think this is going to actually be a match. Yeah, because really there's like somebody named, like, Halloween or, like, jack-o'-lantern in that match who isn't him. And I'm like, Yeah, what? I was so convinced that jack-o'-lantern was the guy that was in orange and black and looked like a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah. Nope. That's Cyclope. So, commentary even, like, goes, like, hey, just so everybody at home knows, 
here's who everybody is. We understand we were doing a terrible job with this division, so we have to tell you. At least they're aware. And I'm going to run through some spots. I absolutely loved this match. It came out of nowhere. <laughs> and But 80% of it is just them throwing the trash cans and lids and chairs and at each chairs other. And chairs and diving through the ropes at each other. And this <laughs> match was so exciting. And... <laughs> It's one of those, I think I liked it more because the crowd wasn't into it. I'm like, how <laughs> dare you? No, get excited. Well, it's the same thing as like what happened earlier with um, Lenny Lanes and Scott Riggs. Like, nobody knew who the people in the ring were, so nobody cared. Yeah, but then this is a substantially better match than that. They wouldn't know because they don't care. So this La- is a pee break match. La Parker starts the match by just walloping Sickleby with a chair over the head. It's like, oh, okay, that's how we're starting. <laughs> A trash can gets put over Leparka's head and they hit poetry in motion. Sickleback goes for a suicide dive, but Leparka just swings a chair and hits him on the head oh. from the outside. I've actually seen that spot done like two years after this. It's a very famous Chris Jericho, Chris Benoit match oh. spot. Oh. Yeah. But I'm like, oh, okay. I've huh. never seen that other than that. But no, there it cool. is. I was going to say that move looked like brain trauma. <laughs> Super King tries to springboard to the outside, but Damien just throws a chair in his face. It's a lot. This match is a lot of like, fuck your move. Here's a chair. Commentary is losing their minds just like I am during this. They're like, what is this? What? I stopped taking notes. I was just watching because like too much was happening. So I had to like just put my notes down and just watch and then like think about it afterwards yeah there were a couple spots where we we're like where are you gonna go with this because at one point laparka sets damien up in a chair on the floor like sitting down and then just like hits a suicide dive onto him it's it like, was just a revolving door of suicide dives did you notice that yeah we, we, we do get a springboard assay moonsault from silver king to all three men on the floor laparka sets up a chair in the middle of the ring and it looks like he's in, like, su- like it's like you know a fully set up chair and it looks like he's going to go for some sort of top rope move to, like, send Damien through it. And I'm like, what move can you do that won't murder him here? Mm-hmm. Ends up getting into, like, a double counter and Laparka pulls Damien face first from the top rope onto it. I'm not even getting all the spots here. There are too many. Silver King hits a tornado DDT from the apron through a table on Cyclope. Damien sets up a table and goes for a top rope Frankensteiner, but Leparka counters it and turns it into a top rope powerbomb through the table, and Damien kicks out. <laughs> it's like, what? <laughs> I swear, there's like, I think they finally go for the pin like two or three times yeah, in this not match. Much. And I was like, what the fuck? Leparka then sets up two chairs facing each other and powerbombs Damien onto them, and that gets the pin. Where did the. <laughs> I don't know where this match came from, but if, if this is what the cruiserweight division is going to become, I'm down. <laughs> yeah, I remember last week they did they did Hack versus Kidman. I'm like, oh, this could be interesting. I'm like, fuck that match. Oh this, yeah, no. this is the way to go. Yeah, and did that match even like go any kind of amount of time? It did, I although don't ended, it, it ended in weird interference. Yeah, that sounds about right. So to me, this match was sore and was entertaining as hell, but it was not about wrestling. There was not good wrestling happening in this match. This was just fuck you brawling. I think this was four guys who know they don't get much television time and they go... We're going to make the most of it. Yeah. (laughs) We're going to give them a match they're going to talk about on a podcast 25 years later. So I wonder if anybody was mad at these guys for like 
you know, we have to follow that. Granted, the, the next match doesn't have didn't have much of a hope to begin with, but you're telling me that you thought that Ernest Miller gave a shit about following those four. I I will close this by saying there's not a lot of matches this podcast where I'm like, you need to go find this match, but you need to go find this match. Nick was losing his mind watching this match. <laughs> I was marking the fuck out. He was losing his mind. It is really like one of the reasons that I enjoy doing this podcast with you, Nick. Is because in every other facet of wrestling television that we partake in, because we do watch a lot of wrestling, just for funsies, but Nick knows everything that's going to happen. And he knows which match is good and which match is garbage. And he's like, oh, you have to sit down and watch this match. But it's so rare that I get to see you experience a match for the first time and know that that's going to be one that you go on and be like, you need to sit down and watch this match. Hmm. It's, it's cool for me. Yeah, and on that same note, I probably didn't need to watch it, but I could tell you the next match you didn't need to watch. But before we get to that, backstage, Scott Norton scolds the... the <sighs> I'm just going to call them the B... They're not the NWO, they're just the B team. Oh, I've stopped calling them the NWO. Well, I did call them the NWO and Minty. Yeah, they're just the B team. So he scolds them and it's like, yeah, you know, last week when you told me Ernest Miller was talking shit. Like, that was two weeks ago. Why yeah, are you doing again. it too? So the rest of the B team like lies and makes up excuses and they can't even get him straight. It's like, oh yeah, we left because we figured you had it handled and you we left. T- we had plans after the show. It's like we took a cab. You took a cab. It's like no, what? no, we caught a ride. We caught a ride, right, guys? But it kept coming back to like, why'd you leave? We had plans. Which <laughs> sad. kind of sad. Yeah, sad's kind of Just like lost my match then you guys abandoned like i wanted to go out i thought we were going to the bar man i i i had i, I wanted to do karaoke i had a song in my heart <laughs> i needed to sing need, just let me sing good timing because the story is related ernest miller with sunny ono comes out and i'm like is miller's theme dub yes <laughs> because one it just sounded really badly dubbed and then two we could actually hear remnants of his old theme through the commentary yeah i'm like oh this is a different kind of rhythm there and then i checked a uh you know old vhs rip and i'm like okay it is slightly different it really was it was strange yeah but yeah it's meant to be a knockoff james brown music which i say to you every time you're like i don't hear it it just sounds like bad clown music and ernest miller literally says turn my james brown music off and honestly i don't is james brown dead at this point yes not in 99 oh okay well, right. in 2021, he's rolling in his grave. James Brown will appear on Nitro with Ernest Miller un- entirely unadvertised. Oh, so he signs off on this. I think they might actually know each other. I don't know. I don't know whether they just paid for him or they actually do know each other. <sighs> to me, this is an insulting rip, but the fact that he signs off on it at any point. Yeah. I do wonder if it's a Dave Grohl on MTV with uh, Raven or... or if it's Raven or DDP hearing the song for the first time and going... Hmm? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. So Miller taunts the crowd and makes De- Dave Penzer introduce him as the greatest of all time and the godfather of soul. And we get sudden Hor- Horace Hogan. A wild Horace appears. <laughs> and this is a match. Okay. At this point, I want to vent and bitch about something. I'm really tired of the open invitation gimmicks. Or storylines. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of some random guy coming out into the ring and being like, I'm the greatest of all time. You don't believe me, fight me. Because it's not just Ernest that does it. Well, Ernest kind of does it more to the crowd. I don't get the vibe that Ernest is trying to get a match. He's just talking shit in the crowd. But that just the whole storyline, that whole segment in general, it's lazy and it's boring. 
Yeah, I'm tired of it. There are they ways to do it. They do it a lot it. in WCW. Yeah, I think the main open challenge that everybody like recognizes as good is 2015 John Cena was the U.S. champion. He's like, every week, just like, whoever wants a chance, like, come wrestle me for it. And it was all great matches, so people didn't, you know, care that it was lazy. I mean, even that, to me, is like a production thing. Like, I know you're trying to make it a storyline or whatever, but if you have a John Cena match booked, like, on your schedule of, like, the show, what it's going to be, you have this little block of time that's a John Cena title match. If it's going to be an open call, do that before the show. Like, don't make it a thing on the show. I don't I just don't, I don't like just sitting there and being like, oh, the audience is anticipating who's going to walk out behind the curtain. I don't, that's stupid to me. I think there's different levels of it. When, when it's, you know, when the payoff's going to be Horace Hogan, it's easy to not be excited. But like when it's yeah. Sami Zayn making his debut on the main roster, it's like, oh shit. Okay, you're right. That's yeah. fair. That could be, that could be exciting. But in, I have not and had also, an exciting moment. And also, you know, match like... quality also yes. is an important thing here too. Yes, that's true. But I haven't had an exciting moment like that in the WCW when they've done that. Like You went full Bret Hart there. The WCW. <laughs> I have three notes during this match. Oh, that's three more than me. <laughs> Ernest Miller is in new gear. He's in a white singlet. He is. It says cat on the back. Woohoo. We get sudden B-team watching the match backstage. And if you actually looked at the ring portion of this... They actually dimmed the lights so people could watch what was on the screen. Oh, really? Very briefly. Like, I don't think they were supposed to. Because <laughs> they, they went picture in picture. That's and funny. I'm like, oh, that's kind of weird. Sonny Ono then distracts the ref and Ernest Miller hits Hogan with a crowbar and gets the pin. B-team then comes down and they chase off Ernest Miller. Yeah. Like Anyway. Who am I supposed to root for here? I really wish I knew. Sonny? Like, I guess I want to see Ernest Miller get his ass kicked, but... But not by Horace. Well, I, I think it's... I meant to just want to see Scott Nort kill him, but, like, I, I don't care. I mean, yeah, they're the B team. They're not even doing mid-card matches. They are nothing. Yeah, like, they great. are low-card. Oh. I, I'll say it now, but you, you know when you're, like, about to speak doom into existence? Oh, no. I'm like, yeah, when was the last Vincent match? I was just sitting here we thinking. Literally know, remember we noted it. We're like, yeah, he won't have a match on Nitro for like a year. Oh, I forgot that um, Stevie Ray was there. I forgot that Vincent was a person. Remember when Stevie Ray was doing the whole thing with Booker? With Booker, which again, where was Booker? But you know who else I haven't seen in a long time? Norman Smiley. I haven't seen him in a very long time. Yeah. Where is everybody? Can we stop having Probably 17 not. segments with Randy Savage and maybe get some different people on the show? Probably on Thunder and WWE Saturday Night. I'm really tired of Ric Flair and Randy Savage. I never thought that I would say that as like a new wrestling fan because like every coming into wrestling, it's like, oh, you need to know Randy Savage. Well, you need to know WWF Randy Savage. But still. This this isn't Randy Savage. (laughs) Are you going to get the Nitro Girls again? Definitely doing a dance that we've already seen. Like we know this dance. Then a Mean Gene interview with Roddy Piper. (laughs) We haven't gotten a Mean Woo by God Gene in a long time either. It's been, no, we got a couple. Is this just an episode where I'm just sad about the stuff that we didn't get? Yeah, I think I have to cut a bunch of this because we got it like three weeks ago. It feels like longer than that. Yeah, because well, we, don't, we don't watch them in weekly succession. Like Booker, we also saw like three weeks ago. If we don't see him every week, then I feel sad. So Gene made me laugh here unintentionally because he and Piper both suck up to the crowd about the upcoming Cleveland Browns because they're about to become a franchise again. And he's like, oh, you know. Cleveland is very familiar with winners. I'm like, 
<laughs> yeah, um, have fun with the Browns. Um, hey, Nick, what was the last time the Browns went to the Super Bowl? Uh, <laughs> this morning. <laughs> so Piper comes out, also sucks up about the Browns, and then says he's going to make Ric Flair bleed to death on Sunday. Yeah, what? Says he can turn Space Mountain into a fountain, which I don't want to see Ew? that. Uh. That's disgusting. That's concerning. He also has an interesting line here that I didn't really feel the need to write verbatim, but he seems to imply that him and Flair on Sunday is for control of the company. Oh, does he say that? Yeah. I, after Sunday, when I take control of the company. Oh, I missed that line. Yeah, they've not said that's what's on the line. No? It would make sense, but they also did it last month and Piper won. Kinda. Kinda. I don't know. That's weird. So Piper then kind of turns a little bit. It, it's an interesting thing they're doing here. We'll see how it progresses. He talks shit on the younger generation. And it's like, like them complaining that they're not getting opportunities. Yeah, Although, but remember the last episode where all, they're all like, we want opportunities because the old people are taking all of our opportunities? I think you said, remember last week when he helped Dean Malenko complain right. about this very right. thing. So he uses his let's get ready to grumble line again and calls out Buff Bagwell, which prompts Gene to just peace out again. <laughs> Buff gets in the ring and starts like showboating to the crowd. Piper takes issue with it and asks Buff how many times he's wrestled in Madison Square Garden. Buff, like a fucking idiot, goes, I wasn't born yet. Yeah, what was he trying to say there? I, I think Buff thought, like, oh, you know, Piper's not like the first time he main evented, which also you probably would have been. Did he think that Roddy Piper was saying, like, when do you think the last time I wrestled in Madison Square Garden was? I don't and know. But Buff was trying to be like, it's been a while, old man. <laughs> but I, possibly. Piper does have to, like, actually be like, yeah, you know, they still wrestle there now. It's still standing, you fucking idiot. Like, it's a subtle line, but it is one of those, like, dumbass. Madison Square Garden's still a thing. I just don't like this whole bit with Piper and Bagwell. It feels really strange. Because it's, like, it's faulting Bagwell for the uh, the opportunities that were never presented to him. Does that make sense? Um, it's faulting younger wrestlers... For not taking opportunities that were never given to them. A, a, a little bit. and I think That doesn't make sense to me. Well, no, it's part of the like entitlement kind of thing of the older guys. Because Piper does point out, like, yeah, you faced Scott Steiner and you fucking lost. Okay, yeah. He also asked Buff, like, okay, you're Buff. And uh, what is the stuff? He keeps calling him Buffy. Buffy. <laughs> Buffy the stuffy. He's like, yeah, what, what is the stuff? Buff just goes, I'm the stuff. You're looking at it. I don't think Buff knows who he is. I think he needs to go to therapy and, like, find himself. So Piper calls Buff out for his past heel behavior. Like, yeah, I, I watched you come back from a neck injury, and then you fucking tried to swerve Rick Steiner by pretending you rebroke your neck. And it's like, do you stand by that? Buff's like, yeah. <laughs> Piper's like, yeah, I, w I would do that too, so... uh after I, went on, after I went on Sunday, I'm going to give you the ball. And Buff's like, well, when you give me the ball, I'm going to run with it. 
was not the killer line. And well, because think- it was it was this whole football analogy. Because because Roddy Piper was saying like I'm going to give you the ball and you better not fumble. Yeah. And then Buff was like, if you give me the ball, I'm going to run with it. Like to me, that was a pretty clear, straightforward football analogy. It, yeah, it, it was an overstated analogy. Yeah, like, it was, but like it was clear. Yeah, but it wasn't the killer line he thought because then Buff, after his music starts hitting, goes. And I'm buff, and I'm the stuff. <laughs> what is the stuff, buff? Yeah, this this wasn't much of anything of interest, but it might be setting the seeds for something. Like, Piper did come off like a little bit of a dick here, but he also just can kind of do that, so I don't know if that's intentional or not. Yeah, I don't know. So, next up, very important segment. We go backstage, and... The women of Team Madness try to seduce Nash into a limo. And I guess it's implied that it's going to be a four-way? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because there's a point in the limo where Medusa's like, what, you can't handle three girls? And Nash is like, yeah, on a bad day. Well, Nash assumes this is a trap, which like... Fair. 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 Smart to do that. But he also didn't treat it like a trap enough. Well, he's like, okay, everybody get out because I want to check the limo. Because, I, you know, it's like, well, I'm going to get in and fucking Savage is going to be there and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get got. Yeah, which is logical thinking. Yeah. So everybody gets out. Nash tells the driver to pop the trunk, puts his bag in there, which I assume did not have the woman. I did think about that after the after the fact. Like, what if the woman was in this segment too? So then he turns to the, the, the three women and you're like, are you getting in? It's like, you wanted to check the car. I didn't think we were going anywhere. Well, no, he wanted to check it for fucking Savage. And yeah, then he never looked, he never looked inside. You're right. He only looked in the trunk. Yeah. And then they're like suspiciously like, a- after you, which again, still makes Nash look like an idiot. Like, yeah. you really think these three women are, are going to bang you? Like, I don't care that Randy Savage isn't actually in the back. Like, this can still be a fucking trap. Hey, remember how they got locked in a car and you poured sewage through the sunroof? Right, like it's an ideal time. So unaware of yourself, and yet aware. Like you're aware enough to be like, "This feels like a trap," and then it's like, "Oh, this feels like a trap." Better not put my leg in the bear trap. (laughs) So Nash gets in the car, and Medusa goes sucker and closes the door, and then in a very like where to Stephanie kind of moment. Randy Savage is driving the limo. Yeah, through the partition. He's just like, oh, yeah. I don't know what he says. (laughs) I don't know either. It's just very high energy. He then drives the limo, like, a couple feet. Like, really not that far. Really not far. Because all the women are yelling, go, go, go. Like, where are you going? Nowhere. He parks it next to a dumpster, proceeds to run out of the limo. Nash is still in the back. And all of a sudden, a white Hummer appears. And the White Hummer starts ramming over and over again the limo with Nash in the back. And it kind of leaves. It kind of just more cuts to a close-up of the car and Nash, like, punches out the the, the (laughs) The shattered window. window. Trying to open the door and it doesn't open and he just, like, flails. So this is one of the most famous mysteries in WCW. Who was driving the White Hummer? Because I know who was driving the White Hummer. Yeah, you beat me to this joke. I mean, yeah, I've watched wrestling television before. So Emily, who was driving the White Hummer? Rikishi. <laughs> Obviously. So, <laughs> well, commentary the rest of the night keeps, 
like doing like the oh I wonder you know who was driving it like there's not a lot of not a lot of clues yet kind of thing yeah anybody you think it could be my only thought was Hogan Hogan yeah okay as in like like this is his return to WCW television well, he like, came back the other week and attacked DDP but he was still hurt wasn't he yeah this is like th- this to me would be his like I am fully back and Kevin Nash you've been in the spotlight for too long get out my turn. Yeah, so I guess the possible options, um, Hogan, I mean, DDP lost the title to to Nash. But I don't really know why DDP would team up with Savage. I mean, they were kind of teamed up. Not bef- really. I mean, I, Savage was helping him retain, but mm. Eric Bischoff was not on commentary at this point. He did leave the commentary booth, you're right. Could um, be him. On w, they they mentioned like ooh we we have a theory on who it is on wcw dot com. Uh, that person mentioned that article is Sable. Sable. Yeah, who is still currently WWF? I guess like trying to get released. Who will actually show up in the crowd on next week's Nitro? Huh, cool. Uh, could be somebody you know getting signed. I normally don't like giving spoilers, but do you want to know who it is? Yes. Oh, but that, that's that's weird. I don't I don't have an answer on that. It looks like um, looks like they never pay that off. No, they never pay it off. No, they asked Eric Bischoff about this on his podcast, and he goes, "Oh, we we never had a plan. It didn't matter who was driving it." There's no answer. <laughs> no. Wait, you're not fucking with me. There is no answer. I'm dead serious. What the fuck? A I'm, couple, I'm sorry. A couple months from now, <laughs> they will do the white lim- they, they will do the white Hummer angle again, and Eric Bischoff is driving that one. What the fuck? <laughs> and by the way, Eric Bischoff defends not having a payoff to this. Eric Bischoff, you're an idiot. He's like, oh yeah, it was so cool. No, all it of wasn't. this was all of this was so cool and funny. And oh my god, there is there's no. It's it's one of the great I, I I couldn't say it before. It's one of the great unsolved mysteries in wrestling because they never pay it off. Apparently at some point they're gonna hint that it might be Carmen Electra. No, for it to be an unsolved mystery would mean that there had to have been some sort of thought put into it and some sort of like investigation go down. Well they have and it needs to be deemed that we will never know. They have the commentary fucking talk about like I wonder who I literally like, took note of every time they said, I wonder who was driving. Stop having them say that if you don't... Ha- this isn't part of your fucking story. I mean, maybe they planned to have a plan, and then they just forgot to make a plan. Eric Bischoff's a stupid, stupid man. He could probably have planned, like, oh, let's start the storyline now. I'll figure it out later. And then just forgot. If anything, Rikishi's not on WWE television. It might as well... You know what? <laughs> We're, Fuck we, it, it's Rikishi. It's Rikishi. <laughs> he did it for the Savage. He did it for the macho. I like my story idea better for it being Hulk Hogan. That actually makes sense in storyline. Makes more sense than it being nobody. What the fuck, man? Why are we watching this stupid godforsaken fucking show? I did so much research trying to find something. First off, I'm like tired of fucking, um, I think it's Conrad Thompson's the guy's name. He's there's There's one guy who does all of the wrestling podcasts where it's like, Oh, it's Eric Bischoff's podcast, but he just like he just shows up and gets asked questions and doesn't run it. It's just one guy, it's Conrad. 
I'm so tired of his voice now because oh, also listen to so much of him. Well, also he just comes off like everything's the greatest. Like, dude, like he's so non-confrontational to yeah. everybody. Like you will never call anything on their bullshit. I laughed my ass off. There was like, oh, Tony Schiavone shoots hard on the yeah. The, that's Tony Schiavone doesn't shoot hard on anything. Shoots hard on the white white Hummer angle. Tony Schiavone said about six words during this like three minute clip. It's just Conrad fucking talking about it. And Tony's like, you know, we had to buy that Hummer. <laughs> and, the, and that's and the, it. And the limo. It's like. And that's it. They apparently spent $50,000 on this angle. To not have a payoff. What the fuck was the point, man? And you know what the funniest thing is? You absolutely could have had the car already be in position and just have Randy Savage drive it. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Bischoff's point is it doesn't matter who was driving it. What matters is what comes from it. Something great better come from it then. Yeah, because... There is somebody who will debut in the upcoming weeks, and it's like, oh, I guess it was him. Is it AJ Styles? No. <laughs> I can't wait for him to debut. Like, oh, it makes sense for it to be him, and apparently it's like vehemently not him. So, Good Lord. Yeah, I knew that would set you off. I wanted to give some time to the White Hummer. <laughs> I hate this show. And also, yeah, it doesn't make sense for it to be a lot of people. I mean, yeah, but yeah. they could have figured out... A, they could have figured out... If they had said any name, I'd be like, that's dumb, but whatever. The fact that they said no name. Yeah. And this actually is pre-Rikishi angle, I was saying, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So WWF saw this angle and were like, fuck you, we're going to do it better. But also badly. To be fair, WWE will do the the car portion of it in a couple months. They won't reveal who it was for like almost a calendar year after that. Yeah, but at least they reveal who it was. Yeah, I think I would take the flat... Reveal of Rikishi over nothing. Yeah. It's like, who ran over Steve Austin? Oh, sorry. It was just somebody. Some guy. Oh, you know, drunk driving is really the the biggest problem in the United States. This is a commentary on that. I'm so angry, too. Like, I fucking hate this shit. Because Eric Bischoff now is like, it didn't matter. I was, like, ready for... It does matter, well, Eric. Well, it, it would be different if commentary wasn't asking the entire time. Right. If commentary was like, whoa, that's unfortunate. Yeah. I guess different. Whoa, hope Kevin Ash is okay. Hope he's not fucking dead. Yeah, they're also like, oh, I wonder if there's going to be a main event on Sunday. Again, really they didn't want to watch the pay-per-view. They never are concerned for his well-being. They're all just like, I wonder who drove. No, they do mention that like they have the medical team looking over Nash. The, they don't actually provide an update. They never do. Oh, I hate this show. <laughs> so, let's let's try to move on. We get Bobby Duncan Jr. versus Rey Mysterio. Who cares? Bobby Duncan Jr. comes out with Kurt Hennig to no music. Why? I don't know. Rey Mysterio comes out with Conan, who then goes to the DJ Ran booth, but is still on commentary. Yeah, as if they're like sitting next to each other. It's weird. The did fi- you notice? Um, but did you notice Tony Schiavone shitting on security at the very beginning of this? No. So. Kurt Henning comes down and sits next to um, commentary while, you know, Conan goes to the DJ booth. Oh, Kurt Henning yeah, sits yeah. next to Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan. And there are just, like, a bunch of drunkards behind them, you know, standard wrestling match, whatever. And they're, just, they're yelling and they're screaming and they're hollering and throwing their arms at him. And Kurt kind of, like, looks at him, just kind of, like, throws him a look. And Tony is just like, yeah, security hasn't been giving us any kind of help tonight, so uh, just ignore them, I guess. But then Kurt goes into, like, hero complex. He's like, it's okay, you have me now. Yeah, well, he's a heel. It makes sense. Like, <laughs> ugh, ugh, ugh. 
Well, can you explain the fashion choice of Rey Mysterio and Conan coming out? The gas mask? Yeah. They come out in fucking gas masks. Conan actually is like, oh, we're wearing them because we're ready for, you know, chemical warfare. It's like, what? I'm sorry, this is he's, Nitro. Why are we... He said rap was crap. Don't fucking... Chemical warfare? No. They look like they're like coming out in Chernobyl chic, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> oh, there's a lot of questionable fashion choices from those two lately. Sidebar, there is a guy that comes into my cafe wearing a gas mask every day as his like standard pandemic mask. It's bizarre. And he tries to talk to me. I can't hear a word he's saying. I don't know his name. I don't really know his order. Asks. Chemical warfare in a wrestling match. I mean, never before been done. To be, to be fair, the mat is still gross. Someone could get sick from that. He, you're not wrong. We had a springboard leg drop to the back of Duncombe's head and then a springboard moonsault. Conan is just not good on commentary. No, he's really boring. Uh, Hennig actually tries to focus on the match. I gotta give him credit because everybody else is not. And he's like, look how fucking good Bobby Duncombe is. Look at this move. Look at this. Look at this. It's like, oh, look at my guy. Oh, the White Hummer. It's like, there's a match. Uh, on Sunday, these two, uh, the two teams will be wrestling, they said. so. As a tag team match? Yep. So that's another match. Kind of actually listed for the pay-per-view. Woo! Ray hits a Bronco Buster, then goes for a Hurricane Rana, but Hennig interferes, and it gets turned into a powerbomb, and they call for a DQ. They then stomp Ray for a bit, and Conan makes the save. And that's it. This is a really boring fucking match. Yeah. Ray also like shaved his head and looks weird. He looks super extra bald. Yeah, this wasn't much this of anything. Just, it's a lame match. It's a lame angle. I'm really excited for this story to be over. Or at least to progress to something. Like, they're just treading water. They, they are. They are just they treading water. They started the angle and have been treading water since then. But do then. you see an end in sight? Like, what is the end game for this? The song rap is crap. It has to be during this. Oh, God. Is that going to be at the pay-per-view? I don't know. I have oh, no, no idea when the song comes. Oh, no. I have a feeling it's at the pay-per-view. We then get a WCW.com ad. And then Tony Schiavone and Bobby Heenan talking Randy Savage. Bobby asked, oh, I wonder who was driving the Hummer. We'll never fucking know. He really drives that point home after the recap <laughs> clip, too. Drives that point home. Yeah. Good one. Back from commercial, Tony notes the medical staff is working on Nash, but they don't have an update, and then they go back to commercial. Yeah, I guess I didn't notice that they cut to commercial before they, that. Yeah, cut to commercial, you, mention it, and then go back to commercial. I'm like, what because the f- when, you, when they cut to commercial the second time is when you pointed out, like, hold on, they just came back from commercial, and I didn't realize that they had just done one. Well, I was like, oh, okay, you're making time for the main event, so, you, you know, you don't have a commercial during that. Uh, no, we nope. had a couple things before nope. then, because the Steiners come out to no music. Also, we checked the time at this point. There's still there's only like a half an hour left of the show. I think left, like 20 minutes? Because the next match st- happens at, like, the 15 minutes left point. Yeah. So the Steiners come out, no music on them, breaking their mother's heart. Breaking, <laughs> breaking their mother's heart, no music on them. First words out of Scott Steiner's mouth, shut up. Which was actually kind of funny. I liked that. Uh, he, he then cuts out, I'm the best at sex promo. We have not heard one of these in a, in a while. We have not. My body. Scott then notes that, like, yeah. I was backstage making sure no one was going to come help you, but I didn't even have to do anything. So, like, where is Luger? Luger we've seen recently. He was on last week, wasn't he? No. No? He didn't come help last week. We saw him two weeks ago in the monster truck. Was that the last time we saw him? Yeah. It was two weeks ago. It wasn't anything crazy. I really thought it was last week. No. Well, according to commentary, it was last week. 
He also knows that he'll be in Rick's corner on Sunday, so I'm guessing it's going to be Rick Steiner and Sting. Rick then grabs the mic, doesn't really say much a note, although it does hit the, uh, if you don't like me, bite me. Bite me. I do like that. I kind of like that And then they just leave. Nothing happens. Yeah, this is a really unnecessary segment. Yeah. But Scott Steiner's injured, so maybe this is just his way of being like, I'm still here. Don't forget about me. I'm still here. Yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, nothing happened with this. I'm like, oh, okay. We then cut to a clip of the sewage from earlier tonight. Yeah, not the original sewage. This is the chunky sewage that went over by the contortionist. Yeah. Oh, and I was listening to some of the Eric Bischoff interview stuff. He mentions, yeah, a lot of the arresters were trying to get that contortionist phone number. It's like. Gross. Wonder, wonder fucking why. Gross. So we, we're, we're winding down here. We got Disco Inferno coming out in what really looks like Saturday Night Fever clothes. Disco Fever. It's not Saturday Night Fever. It's Disco Fever. Get it right, Nick. Disco then calls out Buff and he's like, you already dropped the ball. It's like, <laughs> it's like you, had the, you had the chance to call out Roddy Piper to his face and tell him he sucked and you didn't do it. And I'm like. He's Fair. not wrong. Like, that's a good point. It's like, it's no wonder you got kicked out of the wolf pack. Like that's a weird point. No, it's a weird. It's it's a, it's an interesting point, but I like the rebuttal to it. Eh. I like. I thought that was a good rebuttal. Well, he challenges Buff to a match, and then Buff also comes out in street clothes. Tony again wonders who was driving the Hummer. We'll never know, which kind of implies that it was Buff. It's like, oh, there's Buff. Gee, I wonder who was driving the Hummer. Must have been Buff. I don't know. Buff then says it's true that he got kicked out of the wolf pack, but everyone knows Disco was never really in the wolf pack. See, I like that because I was thinking it. And we were all thinking it, but no one said it. I mean, they, they let him in. But he wasn't really in, you know? Yeah. He was there, but he wasn't there. Yeah, but, but when Buff had a... When literally Disco filled the Buff-sized hole in the wolf pack, it's like... It wasn't like you had a great leg to stand on. Also, it's weird that you guys are like flip-flopping between trying to be faces and you're like oh yeah i bet we both still wish we were in this heel group that doesn't even know if it still exists or not (laughs) yeah i guess that's fair so disco blindsides buff and apparently this is a match we get two blatant low blows right in front of the ref from disco i'm like DQ. um tony asks again who was driving the hummer bobby does the same we'll never know we didn't go to commercial and come back, and they're in a rest hold. But Jesus Christ, Buff looks fucking dead. He does. He, like, looks... He looks unconscious. Yeah. In Aloha Disco, only gets a two. Buff starts his comeback, and both men hit swinging neck breakers. Disco's was better. <laughs> Shocker. Buff hits a blockbuster and gets the win. Woo! He's Buff, but he's the stuff. Eh. Yeah, I really had no notes about that match. I couldn't care less. It seemed like they were setting up Disco to be a face in the past couple weeks. So him being kind of... I don't know how much it was a heel here, but they definitely have like their differences. And like the young... Because you know, they're both the, the younger guys trying yeah. to you know, earn their keep. So Yeah. I just wish they had like done better with it. The funny thing is, I know they do this storyline once Vince Russo comes in. Or like during 2000. So I'm like... Do you just kind of do it again? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised. So let's move on to our main event. Speaking of, I guess, two older guys, but Sting at least, you know, can still go. I don't think of Sting as an older guy. 
I mean, maybe I'm wrong for not thinking that, but I don't see him as an old man. Yeah, I think it's honestly because he can. I think he's younger than a lot of the other guys, but I'm actually curious how old he is at this point. I'm going to say like early 30s. Okay. Uh, you would be wrong. Sting is 48. What? Sting is... Oh, wait, wait, hold on. Sorry, I'm looking at... I swear to God, did you fuck up your math again? No, I didn't fuck up my math. I fucked up the person. Oh, my God. I, I looked up the other Sting. The singer? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it was just... Uh... You idiot. Well, Sting, uh, Sting the, the singer, was 48. Cool. Uh, How about the wrestler? Sting was 40. Still more, like, older than I thought. Yeah, it did sound wrong, because I'm like, Sting is kind of still wrestling. How is he that old? Yeah, he's, he's 40 here. So he and Dean Malenko are kicking around the same age. Like I think, like, Kevin Nash is also around here. So they're not Hogan and Flair level, but they're not necessarily... They're not young bucks. Yeah. So Savage and Team Madness come out in darkness, which was kind of weird. Like, the lighting it was, was weird, wrong. but it was also kind of sick. And Randy Savage is in street clothes again, which is verified by the fact that he still has, like, some of the sewage over mm-hmm. his pants. He didn't change his jeans. They're still gross. Are they even jeans? They look like leather pants. I thought they were jeans. The fact that we could see the stain on them made me think that they weren't leather. I don't know. So Sting comes out, match starts, Gorgeous George jumps on Sting's back to start, and then Randy hits punches, and the ref is just kind of fine with it. This is the one where I was like, okay, fucking DQ, hello? Like, well, then they, what? Then they go to the outside. Molly jumps on Sting. Well, I was calling her Molly going forward. I'm not doing the Miss, Miss Madness. Yeah, no, that's too much. It's Molly. Jumps on Sting's back and Medusa hits Quote unquote. kicks. Oh my god. <laughs> These were terrible. Yeah. Shane did. McMahon is blushing somewhere. Yeah, Medusa was kicking, but apparently not kicking well enough because Sting just like I guess Sting just opened his eyes and realized that he was supposed to be selling something. It was like, oh shit, I gotta sell this. Cause there was just there was no contact made, even light contact. So back in the ring, the women distract the ref as Randy Savage throws powder in Sting's eyes. Bucket sand. Then sets him up for Molly to hit a top rope Frankensteiner, but Sting just pushes her off the top rope. It was like, oh. Yeah, just like a shove. Yeah. It was really brutal. Then for some reason, Randy Savage pile drives the ref. Yeah, why? And then DQ, yeah? Yeah, well, I know... Referee Mickey J comes out and calls the DQ, so then Savage beats him up, too. And I'm like, what? Why? Why is why is Randy Savage turning on the referees? Is that, like, a thing that I've missed? No. That's just random. That, that okay. was a Scott Steiner thing for a while, like, but that's not really a thing now. So Sting then fights back until the Steiners come down, and they work over Sting. And then I asked where he was earlier. Lex Luger comes down and yeah, makes the save. with a bat. Yep. With, that's <laughs> a like, baseball bat. Yeah, it's like Sting's weapon of choice, so... Uh, thoughts on the it wasn't even really a it match. It wasn't even really a match. It was a nothing segment, yeah. and it was so quick too because, like I said, we had about three minutes to do this whole thing. Ugh, yeah, that was. Um, it I was... I didn't expect much from that. I didn't think they were really going to give away that match, but no, like this was a good show overall. This was a lame wet fart of an ending. I don't know how good a show it was. The more we kind of ran through it, it just wasn't a bad show. And VR standards are just getting low. Yeah, it, it, I think so. It was like. There was nothing when I look back that like made me really want to like stop watching. Yeah, I mean, no. Or at least most of it was kind of early on. Like I didn't care about the Lenny Lane match. 
I mean, not caring versus wanting to turn it off is different. Yeah, and anything I didn't care about after that was pretty quick. So right. Yeah, this was a better than the last couple Nitro. Um, I don't know how excited it makes me for the pay per view. No, I'm not excited for the pay per view. Yeah, that'll be that'll be our our Christmas episode. It kind of looks like tears. Christmas in Baltimore. It probably won't be snowy, but it'll probably be brown. It's gross here. Oh, in I, the winter, it's gross I, I, th- I thought you were trying to reference the, the uh, sewage. Ew, no. Well, the Inner Harbor is right there. <laughs> All right, so that'll be coming up next. Let's, uh, let's figure out the best bit in MVP. Emily, what do you got? What should I do first? Best bit. I'm giving it to the uh, tag team match. DDP, the- Bam Bam Bigelow, Flair, and Benoit. Okay. Just the match as a whole. Like It was a really good match. Okay, fair. Yeah. Uh, I'm no to me, sh- like, that is what a tag team match should be. That is the bar that it should be sat at, and I think that was great. Uh, I don't think it's a surprise that I am going with the Mexican hardcore match. No, not a surprise at all. I fucking loved that match. So I was going back recently and actually, like, c- keeping track of all of our MVPs, and I noticed almost every episode, I'm like, ooh, I had a hard time with this one. <laughs> Did you have a hard time with this one? I did. I'm actually going to give mine to Perry Saturn. Okay, fair. I had some good fire in the promo with Flair. And he's, you know, normally not a good promo. But the fact that the crowd was so pumped up for Arn Anderson and Perry Saturn kind of steals that thunder. Mm-hmm. And the crowd was fine with it. That's a very true. dangerous game. And I'm like, you know what? He pulled that off. That's true. It was such a four-person effort in the hardcore tag match that... I can't give it to any one of them. Yeah. I was going to say, if I had to, it would have been LaParka for his dancing. <laughs> that was good. It was a good match. What about you? Who's your MVP? You're going to laugh at me. You are trying to guess who it was yesterday when we were watching the show. My MVP is the contortionist. <laughs> I was surprised I didn't see it coming, and it added a fun element to the show that was exciting. And different, and I loved it. I loved every moment of that segment. I loved the like the reveal of like the hand coming out of the bag and grabbing the zipper. I thought it was. I would so say no minus points for the fact that it took it like five minutes to get out of there. No, because she's a contortionist, and that's not easy. They probably zipped the bag wrong, knowing WCW. Yeah, I did notice there wasn't a like large spot for her to like pull it open. Like you really had to like wiggle that. They were probably supposed to put the zipper, like the tag, inside the bag so that she could like push that and pull that open. Yeah. But they didn't, because both zippers were hanging out. Anyway, she's my MVP. All right. Honorable man- mention to Arn Anderson, though, because I did love his like uh, hype-up moment in the tag match. I do think Arn has gotten your MVP more than anybody else. Really? I think so. Has Arn or the tire Arn? You don't really, def- you, don't di- you don't differentiate. Ah, I bet it's the tire Arn. So that's going to do it for this episode of the Butsy's Podcast. Like I said, next up, the Great American Bash. In good old Baltimore. Coming to you right around Christmas time. Until then, you can follow us on Twitter and on Instagram at Butts in the Pod. Find us on Facebook, Butts in the Seats Podcast. You can listen to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts, and Stitcher. I really, really should start making you do some of that. Yeah, I can do it. Give it to me. Anyway. All right. Well, any uh, closing thoughts before we make it to the Great American Bash? What do you think? It's going to be a good show? I, I think it's going to be super mediocre. I think it's going to be really middle ground, middle lane, boring. What a hook. 
Well, <laughs> what a hook for next time. I have time. to watch it, so. It's in Baltimore. Come listen to us talk about uh, Baltimore. Un- unfortunately, there will not be any Art Donovan on commentary. <laughs> How much does this guy weigh? Oh my god, I forgot about him. Maybe we'll even see Michael Buffer. Haven't seen him in a minute. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. <laughs> Buffer watch continues. Buffer watch. Surge. Oh, Surge watch has ended. <laughs> yeah. And now his watch has ended. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, All right. So until next time, I'm Nick. I'm Emily. And thanks for listening to the Butts and Seats Podcast. Bye.